Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, Mets Up listeners? Back here for episode number 67 of the Mets Up podcast. Of course, I'm your co-host, Mark Luino, Draft Deck Mark, here with James Chiano. Jeter had no range. Talking about the New York Mets, we actually have some news to talk about here because, as you guys know already, we actually have a manager, and it's Buck. We got big old Buck Showalter. Uh, we're having a bucking good time over here. No, everyone's excited about Buck Showalter. Maybe not us as much, but... We'll talk about him, go full in-depth into the new guy who's going to be at the helm for these New York Mets. We also got a little Christmas wish list coming at you. James has got five things he wants for Christmas for the Mets. I've got my five things. I think they're a little bit different. James probably took a little more serious route, if I had to guess. Not really. No? No, we're in a zany mood. (laughs) Okay, yeah, we're feeling zany. I like that. That's SAT word of the day right there. Real quick, that might be the fastest one we've ever had. But of course, you guys know I have to give you the spiel. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at MetsUp. YouTube channel, Messed Up Podcast. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find them, you'll be able to listen to us. Drop us a five-star rating. Drop us a review. And uh, yeah, there's the plugs. There we go. James, here we go. Should we just get ripping into it? I mean, first and foremost, how are you feeling? Because you've got COVID. I do have the COVID. I love how you were about to rip right in. It was the first time I actually had something in my personal life that was worth <laughs> worth sharing. It's about, I, was just, I was like, wait a second. We got to fill the people in. This is the one, yeah. I got I got the Omicron last weekend, either at a Christmas party or a birthday party. It remains to be seen, but most people at both parties got it. It wasn't fun for a few days. It's okay now. I'm just like locked in my seven by eight room in Brooklyn without any type of entry to the world. So that's kind of rough, but we're, we're two more days. Two more days and we're out. Two more days and we're looking good, but uh, glad to hear that you're feeling better. Yeah, thank you. As someone who had COVID, not Omicron, I had yeah. the regular one. Uh, it sucks, so can can relate. We had very different things, though, because you had the taste and the smell. Like, that was your symptom. Yeah. I have no had no taste and smell. I've just had this in... Not have anymore. I had this absolutely insane headache for like three days, like Ooh, headache sucks. and like body aches, like sleeping like sixteen hours a day for like a few days in a row situation. But again, I I think I would take that over the taste and smell though. Yeah, I had the, I had the fever and then a little bit tired the first day. No taste, no smell. No taste, no smell was so hard because like yeah. eating food is like a punishment at that point. It actually like you don't know how bad something tastes until it has no taste. That is the true worst taste in the world. Definitely. I've honestly, I've had a great time with food while this has been happening because I'm, I'm a big chef. Mark knows that. We used to live together. I don't I don't like to eat out very often, but New York has the best like delivery and takeout in the entire world. So I've been like eating a new thing out every day and it's wildly fun. I found some incredible restaurants in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, no. It's, why do you think I do takeout all the time? It's the best. Yeah, but you get Popeyes, you schmuck. <laughs> Popeyes is delicious. It's true. I got Peruvian chicken the other day. Really? All right. That's good. Now now we're doing too much personal talk. We got to get back to the mess. 
Let's talk about Buckshaw Walter. Buckshaw Walter. A guy who's probably had nary a Peruvian chicken before in his life. I absolutely bet you're wrong on that, 100%. You think Buckshaw Walter's had a Peruvian chicken? I bet Buckshaw Walter's had a, po- a pollo a la brasa in his life. All right. Well, as a manager, is that going to be useful? Maybe, maybe not. Potentially. Um, the big thing here, though, is... Three years, uh, I don't think Matt, money, who cares? He's a manager. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But I will say that the overwhelming support and the overwhelming, I guess, narrative right now is that the Mets made a fantastic hire in Buck Walter. Definitely. And we kind of had been gearing ourselves up for this final conclusion like to each other and over the last few episodes. It kind of felt like we were just crawling towards this for weeks. It just, again, felt like the only thing that was really ever ever going to happen with this manager search and it seemed like the only thing that Steve Cohen really wanted to happen and he as now we all are completely aware he is the boss he broke the news he made the deal he had the interview at his house and he literally said like you can feel his pride coming through in his tweet announcement because he again broke the news himself I'm pleased to announce Buck Showalter as the new manager of the New York Mets like he probably had that shit scheduled like November 13th that Buck Showalter's going to manage this team. I want this to come out Saturday afternoon, nothing going on, Buck Showalter's manager. Well, apparently the news was supposed to break on Monday, and Steve's like, I, I can't hold in this excitement. <laughs> I'm so happy to announce him as the manager. I will say, I feel like the positive, the best thing that's happened from this is we really don't have to talk about it outside of this episode for like another couple months. Ever. Because like you said, it has just been nonstop talking about Buck Walter or Joe Espada or Quartararo, whoever the guy was going to be. We now know who's the guy at the helm who's going to be running the show, at least on the field for the Mets, and it's Buck Walter. I-, I feel better about it than I think I did when we first started talking about it, just Me because too. I've come to terms that I-, I trust the Mets process. I trust that they made the right decision. And until he shows me otherwise, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, definitely. And it's just, I'm happy that at least some the Mets did something that has everybody around the organization completely on board. Like, all the angry old guys are on board, ready to rock. All the annoying old guy journalists are ready to rock. They're on board. Like, large part of the general fan base is even just very excited about Buck Showalter to be the manager. Because, again, it's just a recognizable name. It's a guy you know. He has a look. How many managers have gifts? How many managers have gifts on Twitter? There's not that many. He's just a guy who is very established in the baseball world. So, like, I'm at least happy that most of the Mets world has been unified on something stupid. Because usually, like, something stupid being the fact that we're even concerned with the manager because the manager doesn't even mean that much like usually the Mets do something that's really like menial and everyone freaks the fuck out about it my favorite part about this is everybody's happy that Buck Walters is the manager I might not be included in everybody being happy but I'm at least just happy that we cannot be saying like bad things about the Mets right now yeah it doesn't feel like the wrong decision it just doesn't feel like the one that maybe me or you would have made but that also doesn't really matter because at the end of the day who are we who are no, we to make the decision no for the New York Mets we're absolutely we're not. podcast guys over here but I've never talked to Buckshaw Walter I don't know Buckshaw Walter he might, he's probably a great guy no I mean we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit more in our wish list too because I know we got a couple things to say about him there but it feels like he's kind of a safe pick too because one thing that I talked about with you on the spaces that we did earlier in the week when the news broke was that a guy like Buck Showalter at least, like you said, is going to calm the fan base a little bit. And if the Mets do come out a little bit slow out the gates, it's not going to be off with his head immediately. There's going to be a little bit more of a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm blanking on it. Um, a little more leeway, I guess. Yeah. 
um, for him to be able to continue with this team where if you brought in a guy like Joe Espada or Quattraro who are going to be first-time managers, off with his head. If they were 13-10 and 10 after the first month or even, God forbid, 500, I mean, it would be pitchforks and fires and riots outside of City Field. Buck Walter should at least calm that down a little bit because this is the guy that the fans wanted. It's going to be really interesting, interesting to see how it plays out, whether if the team does actually start bad, if people just now start blaming the players again, like piling on on them or giving Buck any kind of crap at all. Like if Diaz blows the game, that Buck used him in the wrong situation, maybe left him out there for six outs, maybe came in a tie game when that thing, that narrative might still exist. Like it's going to be very interesting to see whether people put whether people actually keep him on this pedestal for as long as it seems like they will right now. Yeah, and I feel like a big, you know, knock on Rojas too last year that a lot of people I think see as a quality in Buck is that he's a leader. They see that he's going to be the vocal leader. He's going to be the guy that these guys can look at. He's going to be a rock. He's going to be pretty solid up there where Rojas at times was a bit shaky, maybe was a little bit quiet, a little bit timid, and I feel like people see Buck Walter and go, that at least is a guy that we know is going to run this team and control, what was it, control or demand respect when you walk into that locker room. And while his success at the major league level is a bit all over the place, he does have respect around the league pretty pretty open. Or uh, I, Why am I struggling with words so hard tonight? Yeah, I did too. I don't know. This is a late recording, I think. It's like midnight. I'm sweating in my room. It's so <laughs> hot. sweating? For it's sure it's so time. hot in here. <laughs> it's hot in here too, man. It's hot in here too. <laughs> so hot. But basically, everyone agrees that this is a great move, that he's respected, that the Mets did a good thing here. So it feels like there's going to be a lot less scrutiny to buck than some of the other guys that could have been here yeah and that makes a lot of sense when looking at the Mets roster configuration just because it's a very very veteran heavy roster like the Mets don't have any of their good prospects you can say are definitely going to debut next season Vientos yes and he's become like probably a top like 70 ish guy but he's not going to be a guy who's going to debut probably with a massive role. Like, this isn't a nurturing job for Buck Walter. This is put your boots on the ground, and we have to go full steam ahead and hopefully win a World Series in the next 36 months. And last year, the veterans in the locker room kind of had a weird mix, and it seems like there wasn't a lot of mutual respect, and it wasn't very uh, controlled environment. Didn't allow people to seem, seemingly get comfortable. So maybe a guy like Buck just becomes like kind of that that rock in the middle that everyone can lean on, just bounce the shit off of, and just sometimes you get hurt by it, but it always keeps everyone like stable and together. Yeah, I, I think the comparison that a lot of Mets fans are going to make, and I don't really like this comparison by any means, but I think everyone's going to be like, he's almost like a, an updated version of Terry Collins probably. Too, I think it's Mets like fans. the exact same thing. Why, why don't you like that comparison? Because I think Terry is a lot more of a player manager where he was just like, we got to go out, we got to work hard every single day. Like Terry was a firecracker. I don't know if Buck has that same kind of fire like Terry where he'll just attack the media like that. Maybe he will. Maybe I don't know enough about Buck Showalter's uh, personality, but I feel like that's like a, an easy uh, you know comparison to make. I don't necessarily know how actually similar they are. Something else I think is interesting about the hi- Buck Showalter's hirings, a lot of people are thrilled that he's a guy who's managed in New York before and knows how to manage in New York. Buck Showalter managed in New York from in the nineteen early nineteen nineties, twenty entire years ago, like he was ma- uh, 30, 30, thirty years ago. Holy <laughs> shit! He was managing in New York before either of us were born. He managed in New York like when Windows was invented, like not Windows, like, like Windows the computer program. Yeah. Like there is so much about like New York media and the New York like style that Buck Walter is going to be absolutely fucking flummoxed by when he comes to the Mets. There's a world where I could get a media pass and ask Buck Walter a question in a press conference, and I'd be a uh, Mark Luino from YouTube. <laughs> and he'd be like, I don't know what that is. Uh, what, when does it come out? When does the paper print? Because I can't imagine there's a whole lot of social media. For okay, we're being hard on Buck. We're being hard on Buck. We're assuming, course, sorry, we're assuming sorry, he doesn't sorry. understand technology, and that's not a good thing to assume. We're not ageists here. 
We're not ageist. No, we're not ageist. But I'm just saying, it is a completely different New York than it was in the 90s. Now, of course, he was a manager of the Yankees. They were definitely under some scrutiny. They were definitely, you know, a hot topic during the 90s for sure. I'm interested to see how he's going to handle it nowadays. I think that'll be one of the... I don't, I don't want to say tougher things that he's going to have to adjust to, but it's definitely going to be a learning curve handling media nowadays. Yeah, he handled media, like baseball media at least, only four years ago. So I'm not the most worried about that. I just, I don't, I'm just trying to poke holes in everyone's like complete master list of why Buck Showalter is the greatest manager of all time. Because I can't get on board with that. Well, I can't think of any words right now. With that narrative, I can't get on board with that narrative. Like I'm here, like I'm in, in for the Buck Walter experience. I don't think he, I don't think he was the worst. This is the worst thing that could have ever happened in this team. He's also just a manager, and it really shouldn't matter that much. But like, I'm just, I'm really excited to watch all the people who are like, yes, this made, this made my Christmas. Like all the crazy mentions you get on Twitter, like this is the best thing the Mets have ever done. Like I want to really talk to all these people April fifteenth because we've never, I've never lived in the world, neither of you, where the Mets manager actually had any type of trust. I've never trusted the head coach or manager of any team I think I've ever rooted for, honestly, any professional sports team. It's pretty tough as a New York sports fan. For the Mets, I mean, we would have very, very short tenures of trusting a guy. Like, I mean, I think he trusted Willie Randolph after a good season, even though like 2006, but that was, he was still trustworthy. I trusted Willie Randolph, I guess, during 2006, but I was also 10 years old, so I didn't really know that much about trust yet. I trusted Rex Ryan a little bit in like 2011, but I was like 15 then, so I knew a little bit about trust. You didn't trust Terry in 2016? I know you like to say he lost us the World Series, but he no, was still... No, I did not trust Terry at all. Terry, oh, I Terry, trusted him. Terry made the wrong bullpen decision every single time it was it was possible. He got my blind trust. I love Terry Collins as a guy. I would I would like I would like to have Terry Collins like kind of hanging with me like during my day, so we could just like chew people out in front of me, and I could be like, yeah, Terry, get her ass. <laughs> but I don't think Terry Collins knew how to properly handle a bullpen, and. I just hope that the right people are helping Buck ro- properly handle this one. And I do. I do think that the right people are. I can't, like The Mets have really made an effort to seemingly try and be one of the smarter teams in baseball, trying to get more information, trying to get more analytics, trying to just get you know into the future of how baseball is being played, while Buck Showalter necessarily isn't that guy that you think of to run a team or be the manager of a team that's trying to be forward-thinking and analytically thinking. I do think that the Mets did their due diligence— and said that Buckshaw Walter is going to be more than capable to handle this team, manage them, and give us a good chance to win. At the end of the day, the best thing that could happen, really, is that Buckshaw Walter is a, is a moot point. He's just the manager of the team, mm-hmm. and the players on the field still have to play well, and he makes no impact, essentially. You know what I kind of think about when you give that analogy? Moneyball. Early in the season, Art Howe was riding against Billy Bean, saying, you're ruining baseball, this isn't what we're supposed to do, it's not what I'm comfortable doing, I'm the manager, I make my own decision. Later in the season, when the A's get hot, the first person that the media goes to like give credit for the a success art how and there's that there's that clip on the television when uh jonah hill and brad pitt are hanging out and like you gotta give credit to art how the steady hand at the middle of the a's turbulent season and brad pitt's like i heard i heard seven straight all i heard was seven straight so i think that again we're always going to give the manager too much credit or not enough credit i'm at least happy that we have some built up equity in, in Buck Showalter, that all the crazy people are not going to be crazy, hopefully at the beginning. Yeah, not a detriment to this team at all. I don't think this team is any worse having Buck. I think they're just as good as they were. They, you know, the players got to play. They're exactly the same. There's just an older guy standing in between them. A little more stable than what we've had in the past. Buck Showalter gives us a little stability, I will say that. But 
I think that's pretty much it with Buck. There's not too much to go into with being a manager. It's he's just a manager. Yeah, he really should make little to no impact. If that's if he works out well, his impact should be minimal. As few times you hear Buck Walter's name, it's as good a job as he's doing. It's like an offensive lineman. You almost shouldn't know offensive lineman's name because if you do, cornerbacks too. Sometimes you just never yeah. want to know. Don't even say it. Don't mention it. Don't ever make me think about you. Look at you. Even conceive that you're out there doing something. Except the fact that we're gonna get. Old guy Buckshaw Walter, 65-year-old in baseball pants. And you can never, yes. you can't hate on that. That's going to be pretty funny to watch. Waddle out to the mound. Oh, 100%. And, you know, he'll get a nice little jog in, of course, every yeah. once in a while, I'm sure. So He reminds me of, like, a horned frog. A horned frog? <laughs> right? Like, the way, like, his body shape is and, like, the way he keeps his face, like, his scowl. Like, he strikes me as a horned frog. He, sm- he smolders a little bit. He's a smolder. Yeah, he's a bit of a smolder. <laughs> he's a smolder, and I got to give another shout to the Spaces guy. What was his name? Uh, Tony? There was a Tony no, who the, talked. No, the dude who said that he's he's short, and short managers are successful. Oh, Jut. 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 Yeah, J-U-T. Jut. He said... Legend. I, I, legend. He came up with something that we're going to ride all year long. Short yeah. managers. Buck Walter's 5'9", I believe. 5'9", yes. King. I, and, I at the beginning that. of the podcast, you said Big Buck Walter. Yeah, it's true. Well, there it is. The Napoleon Complex. The guy, he's bigger than life. That's what Buckshaw Walter is. If we took a picture of Buckshaw Walter, we'd see him a normal-sized people. Yes, and I think it's worth noting, Buckshaw Walter, the offer is still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to do a push-up competition. Who can do the most push-ups in a minute? And, uh, you know, we'll donate to charity, whoever loses. We'll get uh, listeners and followers on Twitter to sign on. Every push-up that either of you guys do, we'll get a pledge made. Yes. And whoever wins... That person's pledge money goes to a charity of the winner's choosing. Yes, I like that. So, Buckshaw okay. Walter push-up competition. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming for you, Buck. It's out there. That's what we want to do. Does Buck even have a Twitter? Can we tag him in that? Can't possibly. <laughs> we're, Maybe we could... Listen, you're starting to get a little bit ahead of yourself because we're starting to get to my Christmas list here. That's a great transition. Let's move on to the Christmas list. I'm ready for it. All right. So should I just start off with one of the ones that I have? So well, maybe first we should explain to listeners what we're doing here because that was confusing last week. Yeah, it's fair. But yeah, but shockingly, people could not understand the most Mets team of all time. I couldn't believe the confusion that it caused. I felt like it was very straightforward. But nonetheless. Got a lot. Where's Tom Seavers? Yeah. Where's Where's Mike Piazza? Where's Daryl Strawberry? Does Do any of those guys sound like Lasting's Millage? <laughs> I think it's because I saw Ed Cranepool. I think I really threw them for a loop. And I, and I did Grody, too. The legacy picks, actually, I apologize to our dads if they listen to this. That kind of screwed everybody up. Yeah. But anyway, talk about the Christmas list. Me and James have come up with five things that we want the Mets to give us for Christmas. Something's on the field. Something's off the field. Something serious. Something's a little bit uh, a little zany, as James said earlier on. I'm going to get started off and. Why not? A little transition with Buck and the Christmas list. I would like Buck Showalter to uh, just get some sort of technology in his in his possession, whether that be a computer, an iPhone, an iPad, something where he's able to go onto Google, he's able to type in fangraphs.com, and he can start to see some advanced stats. I just want him to just to peruse a little bit. He doesn't have to be you know this expert on WRC plus by any means, but I'd like for him to I would like for it to be in his vocabulary, and I think a, a smartphone or a MacBook Pro, something of those lines could really help elevate Buck's vocabulary in modern-day baseball. Definitely. We don't need Buck to explain like what goes into the advanced stats. He doesn't know how to build anything, but he needs no. to know what's important and like kind of why. Like He needs to kind of explain to me why these things are important. It's kind of like... um. I don't even have an analogy for this one. I don't want to say it's like planes because I don't even have a conception of how they fly. But it's like I want Buck Walter to be able to explain to me certain advanced stats as like 
like again, we can, it's like we can cook. We're not expert cooks by any means. I don't know if the, the the oil and the vinegars I use are the right things to be using, or if I'm making things at the right temperatures. But it tastes good when it comes out. So that's all we really need here. Just Buckshaw Walter to acknowledge that this stuff's important, and for this stuff to all just be okay. Oh, without a doubt. And I th- I think that's possible. I think that's a realistic Christmas wish list right there. Buckshaw Walter and technology, a match made in heaven. Just go together. I have um. I have a Buckshaw Walter one too that goes along with this. I'm gonna get it out of the way, and we can just put Buck behind us for, for the entire episode. Yes, we'll that's, talk that's ab- enough Buck. We will talk about Buck. Let's give a date: February twentieth. I pray to God that's the next time we can talk about him. I don't. That's the next talk time we can. That's the next time we can even mention Buckshaw Walter's name. That's that's a that's a deal we're gonna make the Mets up podcast. But my uh, first thing I want for Christmas with the New York Mets is for Buckshaw Walter to have told the truth in his interview and to have just checked his nuts at the door. He's not going to go rogue, be a maverick, make any crazy decisions. Listen to what's eventually going to be the largest analytics staff in all of baseball. Have them help you. Don't shy away from it. Just me. make sure that we have a collaborative effort and that everyone's here working together. And there's nothing that tells me that Buck can't do that. That's not going to happen. But what I want for Christmas is for that to actually just be the case. Yeah, I'm hearing from Santa Claus that he was on the nice list. So he was not lying. He was not on go. the naughty list. No coal. He got rewarded with there a managerial go. job instead. He's back working. Back working. The three-year contract I thought was a little small before we leave Buck Walter behind for the next two months. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was just like, oh, you got to prove yourself. We, the Mets, I mean, Steve Cohen has put out that three to five-year window, and that was last year. Here's your chance. Win a World Series, you get paid more. We got four left. <laughs> well, yeah, he's got to show something. I'm sure if he doesn't get anywhere close, he's gone after three years. He's 65, too. 60, a contract that runs you to between your 68th and 69th year, I think that's, that's a healthy spot to be. Yeah, so I'm going to go with my second item on the wish list here and that's going to be on the pitching side because boy do the Mets need pitching terribly 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 bad I want Carlos Rodon bring me Carlos Rodon sign him to what you know a nice little contract there making you know 20 25 million dollars a year whatever it's going to be have him slot in as your number three starter in this rotation right now we are hurting which sounds crazy to say when you have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom headlining the one two but right after that, there is an insane drop-off. We love Taiwan. We love Carlos Carrasco. But it's hard to rely on those guys to give us reliable innings when we're going to have to have a lot out of them because they are currently the number three and four. And then battling for five names we have are Lucchese, Jordan Yamamoto, Trevor Williams. There's not a whole lot of depth right now in this Mets rotation. Adding a guy like Rodon, while it's going to be expensive, who cares? That's poor people problems. Where the New York Mets, we spend money now. Go get the best pitcher available on the free agent market right now. I honestly don't know how expensive Carlos Rodon will be just because he's coming from an organization who has now just basically told him to fuck off politely twice between last year the White Sox non-tendering him and this year them not offering him, not giving him a qualifying offer. So the team who knows the most about him has now twice told him to, again, politely fuck off. And he wasn't really very coveted in the opening period of free agency when like 80% of the useful pitchers went off the board. So I think you could probably get Rodon for prob- less money than people think. Like, I think he was assumed to be in the Robbie Ray, Gaussman, Stroman tier at the beginning of free agency, and it just doesn't seem like that's the case. Maybe he's priced himself back into it because of how few legitimate options remain on the market. But there's a guy who just really fell apart in the second half last year, so I don't know what it's going to be. Can I give you a Rodon stat? I think I've told you this before, but this is like one yeah. of my favorite stats ever. So, Rodon was dominant in the first half this year. Like, April through July, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Fourth highest K rate in the league. Fourth highest K K minus walk rate in the league. Tenth lowest whip. Like, he was disgusting. 
from that time, April through July, 12.7% of his fastballs were 98 miles per hour or higher. Again, that was April through July, so all those months. From August 1st through the end of the season, and that was in between he had um, an IL stint with like shoulder inflammation or shoulder fatigue, elbow fatigue, something that is clearly like a, a bad injury, something that, that bought bad injuries he's had before. Only 1.7% of his fastballs were 98 miles an hour or greater. That's a massive, massive reduction from a guy who was winning a little bit with velocity at the beginning of the year from the left side. Yeah, just give me a little Jeremy Hefner sprinkle on him. He got Taiwan to look pretty strong over the entire year, you know, as a whole with the velo and everything like that. So I, I feel like get him under the Jeremy Hefner umbrella and, and only good things can happen. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not gonna say no to that. I'm just, he, he just scared me a little bit. And the Mets team, as they're constructed right now, needs more than anything else innings. Like, I know you should always play for upside in free agency because you've already basically lost the best years of a guy's prime, so you might as well play the upside card anyway and hope you just catch it. But the second thing on my wish list is also pitching-related, and it's trade for Luis Castillo. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to do that one, and then I saw you had it written down, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to give James that one. I think even Sonny Gray would be a great guy to bring in. I would love to bring in Sonny Gray. Definitely, but call the Reds, say, here's Ronnie Mauricio, and I want Luis Castillo. We'll give, we'll, we'll pepper in a few more prospects, probably also have to give up, like, one of these very young guys, like Joel um, Joel Diaz, uh, new, new, new famous guy on Twitter because of Baseball America, and Alex Ramirez. And probably another mid-level prospect, like you probably also have to give up a JT Ginn or like just a smattering of all the successful guys in the lower minors that we have. But I I really just, I think it's incredibly worth it because Castillo is probably at the lowest point you're ever going to get him at in his value right now because he's a guy who's been like not an ace, but like a really perennial two for the last few years, had a really tough year this year. But there were a lot of bad circumstances that led to Luis Castillo's like really dreadful first half. First of all, they were playing Eugenio Suarez, who's like basically an average third baseman at shortstop for a while. Suarez was making just copious amounts of errors his first few starts. On top of that, this is a stat that I have for no reason at all, just from all the pitching writing I did over the last year. He made his first six starts of the season this year at 55 degrees or lower. Tough to pitch in those conditions. Very tough to pitch in those conditions time after time when you're not playing well, when you have a guy playing out of position at a shortstop behind you. And he made a major adjustment in the second half to bump his changeup usage. He, he was basically back to his current self from August through the end of the year. Changeup's always been his best pitch. And I think you could really get him for Ronnie Mauricio plus like a few-ish prospects. I've always said you want to hold on to these prospects unless you see a move that could be one of the last moves. And getting Luis Castillo in this rotation could be one of the last moves. And Ronnie Mauricio, at the end of the day, is probably just not actually helping you over the next two seasons. So at that point, to me, that feels worth it. Yeah, no, I, I if we're going to give up Ronnie Mauricio, a guy like Luis Castillo who has ace-type stuff and has shown the ability to be a top front-line pitcher who would then slot in at number three behind two of the best pitchers of this generation, Jacob deGrom and Scherzer. You, I talked about the Jeremy Hefner umbrella. How about we get Luis Castillo around Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom for a season or two? My goodness. Also, get Luis Castillo to fucking City Field as opposed to Great American Bandbox. Like, <laughs> yeah. every, all the Mets fans saw how that stadium plays during the season. These pitchers career like that get in the city field that era is dropping like a half of a run and the fact that we have good infield defense behind him too now and good outfield defense it would be huge for his game the reds were one of the worst defensive teams in baseball yeah they were i guess because they had third baseman playing shortstop for most of the year the mets also shifted the second most in all baseball last year more than the reds that's going to help a pitcher who gets ground balls this is all around i think would be just a slam dunk and i would love to see the mets pull it off yeah no that'd be awesome i'm gonna go now to a player that i'd like to acquire on the hitting side Um, And it's going to be maybe a little bit out there, but let's go get Chris Bryant. I know we have Eduardo Escobar, who's looking like he's going to be a third baseman right now, but 
Chris Bryan is 100% better. I think there's no doubt in that. Why not go and get one of the best available corner guys right now on the market who can also play the outfield, has a little versatility, sitting at like that 850 OPS every single year, 115, 120 WRC plus guy. Absolute beast. I know he's boring. He's he's not even vanilla ice cream. He's water. He's got no taste whatsoever. But Chris Bryant is a good player. He has the versatility. He has the bat. He has the ability. He's had the experience. I feel like he fits really well in this team. It's probably not one of our biggest needs, but Christmas, you know, I'm feeling a little spoiled. I want to spoil myself. Santa, bring me something good. Chris Bryant, that would be a nice present. Definitely. Let him sit out there for a few months and get into a nice three-year deal and make it just all fit in really nicely. And I think you especially and a lot of Mets fans have overrated Wilder Escobar a little bit during the time since he was signed. Like, he's a fine player, but I don't think you're winning a World Series if Wilder Escobar gets 600 at-bats for your team. And yeah, Chris Bryant would definitely alleviate that problem and just really some like be that like the last punch that this lineup needs to go from being like a good one that sometimes could probably still get cold and teeter the wrong way to just having a very 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 high floor oh yeah no i i think chris bryant would really help elevate this team for sure to a a different level or like you said at least a little more consistent at the level that they're at so moving on my third item for my mets christmas wish list is gonna take it back to like back off the field and onto the internet specifically twitter and specifically for all of the baseball Twitter personalities, Mets especially, that are really starving to get generate clicks, or not really generate clicks because everyone's still on Twitter, there's just nothing baseball to talk about, but just find things that are meaningful to put out into the world. And I would wish that people really relax with the On This Day post geared specifically to the New York Mets. Because over the last two weeks, we have seen On This Days for absolutely every single fucking thing that's happened in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years of the Mets organization. Two weeks ago was, or last week when we did the draft episode, that was the day that the Bartolo, anniversary of Bartolo Colon signed his contract with the Mets. <laughs> I probably saw the video of Bartolo Colon's home run, like, 14, 15, 16, 17 times on Twitter in one day. And I know for some reason Bartolo Colon has remained like this folk legend for the New York Mets, but this guy was just mediocre for like three years on the team. Like there's no reason he should still be this larger than life figure. I saw one the other day for John Olerud. He was great, but yeah, it's crazy. John Olerud was great, but... I mean, to be honest, I think there's a, a little more crazy one that's on this no, list I'm, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm building. Yeah, again, he was great, but he played with the Mets for three seasons. <laughs> three seasons for the Mets, 97, 98, 90. That was those were meaningful seasons for the Mets. They went they went to the playoffs every time. They almost went to a World Series. He got some MVP votes in 1998. Like he played almost every game every year. He wore the helmet in the field. His little helmet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool thing. But like, like we're showing on this day stats for John John Olerud getting signed by the Mets. Like get the fuck out of here. And the last one, this is the one that sent me to the moon. This is the one that's the motivation, the inspiration for this item on my wish list. And on this day signing post for Wilson Ramos. How on God's green earth should that be something that we care about right now? That the Mets signed Wilson Ramos on this day three years ago. The Mets gave out objectively just slightly worse than value contract a couple of years ago to a player who didn't do well at all for us and who meant nothing in the grand scheme of things, never appeared in a playoff game. It's absolutely bonkers. Like, I was going to say, at least for Bartolo and Olerud, like, there were some good vibes. There were some good memories, but, like... Olerud got MVP votes. I do get that. But, again, these are guys who collectively played on the Mets for, I think, 10 total seasons. Why are any of them being recognized? Like, we got to just think... We got to think of something else, guys. Do some quizzes, like Mark. Yeah, Wilson Ramos was not not one of the great ones to be pulling out there. That's no, crazy. But like, these are guys who just, like... If you look at their baseball reference page, the Mets portion of their careers doesn't even stand out. 
maybe all the because they were probably his best years, but it was three goddamn years. Like, why the fuck are we giving these guys so much credit here? Bartolo hasn't played since being with the Mets, right? I don't think he has. No. And Wilson Ramos essentially hasn't played since being with the Mets. I would call last season barely Wait, playing baseball. But remember in April last year, he hit all those home runs, and everyone was giving the Mets shit for it. And then he hit oh, like yeah. three more the rest of the year. Yeah, I got so much shit about Wilson Ramos. Like, you said he stinks. I was like, this is he does this every year. He goes on a week where he hits four homers, and he disappears for the rest of the season. That's Wilson Ramos for you. I think that's probably enough Wilson Ramos talk. Let me go to my number four thing on my wish list. I'm going off the field here, and I'm talking about the experience at City Field. We love City Field. It's one of my favorite stadiums in the game. I'd like for Steve Cohen, who has been very vocal about wanting to hear changes made to City Field, I would love for Steve Cohen and the Mets and the City Field, you know, vendors, everything. Let's do what Atlanta does and go with that cheaper food option. I love that the Falcons and the Braves, you go to a game, you buy a burger, it's like $5. You get a beer, it's like 7 I'll take a $7 beer over the $15, $14 beers we're paying for any day of the week. And apparently in Atlanta, their concession sales and their revenue was way up. And part of the reason why is that people come into the ballpark earlier, start spending more money. They think it's cheaper, so we'll go and get more. Give us an opportunity to not spend $200 at the ballpark to have a good time. I don't care about the tickets. Do whatever you want for ticket prices. But in terms of the food, the stuff in the stadium, don't price gouge me for a Bud Light. I, sorry, Bud Light. I would never drink that piss water. Coors Light. Sorry, Coors. I can't be giving out these free, uh, these free ads right now to to all of our listeners, all all hundreds of thousands of the people listening to the Mets Up podcast on a regular basis. I'm just pitching to Coors to come come sponsor us. I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> I really thought you were going to stay topical and go to the Samsung announcement that we're going to have a scoreboard that spans from left center to the right center. I love that. They they knocked it <laughs> off. I love that. I love having more distractions. Let's do it. Let's screens, have yeah, the screens craziest everywhere. screens everywhere. Every screen should be playing a different team's game. We want to watch every game in the league. I, you have the Mets right here, but like the modern living room has multiple TVs, for the, again, for the modern sports fan this is like one of those commercials from the 60s the modern sports fan requires more screens than the semi-modern sports fan of years ago welcome to the 6tv experience like that's what we need i want to watch every fucking baseball game every night of the week i don't i don't maybe robbie ray's pitch i want to watch him maybe maybe gary cole's pitch and i want to watch him i've got maybe lance lynn i'm gonna hit the trifecta of the al cy young finals maybe he's pitching i want to watch him i want to see the phillies doing the marlins the Braves, the Nationals. I want to see how every team is doing right there. Put screens fucking everywhere. It seems like they are. It seems like Samsung is quite literally trying to cover every inch of the ballpark that is not a seat in screens. I love that Steve Cohen's taking the ballpark into the 21st century. We've got Samsung uh, sponsorship. we got the crypto sponsorship all over the field. Like, Steve Cohen's just like, I'm here to make money. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be NFT stuff going on at some point. I mean, I'm they... telling you, the Buck Showalter NFT, spitting tobacco with a little look on his face. Like, is, is that number four on your wish list? Do you want a Buck Showalter NFT? Uh, no, that that's my honorable mention. But if anyone out there makes NFTs, make that as the first ever messed up NFT. Do people make NFT? I don't know how you even make an NFT. Whatever. Num- number four thing on my wish list. This is very on brand for me. This is something I want to say. I want the Mets to have an open and creative pitching strategy, especially early in the season this year. Like you referenced it before, we both have major pitchers on our wish list. The Mets don't have any pitching depth at all, and Jacob Degrom is probably going to be brought along slowly. Like I, I can't see Jacob Degrom throwing more than eighty pitches until. We get to the middle of May. You know what I mean? So I think that we just really have to lay out like a clear and attainable like goal and action plan for all of these middling pitchers that we have. The Petersons, the Yamamoto, McGill especially. The McGill is the real guy this is all about. Like I want to tell like a whole fleet of these guys, like six of these guys, like you're a nine out pitcher for all of April. Like we're gonna use even Taiwan could be a twelve out guy early in the year because we saw how much he died last year. Like 
And I don't want people to get mad about this. I don't want people to get frustrated with this, especially Buck Walter, the people on WFAN. Like, I just want all these guys to get as many guys out as they can sustainably and then bring somebody else in. As long as it doesn't kill the bullpen, we have Max Scherzer as the boulder going seven innings every five days. Carrasco, hopefully by this point. Actually, no, you know, Carrasco's going to be a guy we probably also want on this schedule. Like, you're a 12-out guy. You're a 12-out guy until May 1st. If you did 12 outs until May 1st, we can move you up to 15. Attack the season that way and just be clear and open and honest about it. And don't put any of these pitchers who aren't the most skilled or they're not really perfect by any means, don't put them in situations where they're susceptible to be hurt. Yeah, and I will say, like, as much as the Mets don't have pitching depth by any means, we do have a lot of those guys who I think could be very useful in those nine out, you know, three man swing man situations. We got the Reed Foley. We have um, uh, Trevor Williams. I think is still on this roster, correct? Like, yep. there's a lot Yamamoto. of these. Like, yeah, there's a lot of these guys that are kind of in between the Mets have right now. They're going to have to stretch value out if they want something to happen. Is Nagosik still on this team? No, he's gone, right? I think he's gone. No, but you still have Lucchese, who's oh, no, he's Tommy John. He's, 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 he's gonna be. He's been yeah, not gonna. Be we need we sure. need pitchers. We need pitchers. McGill so though, McGill. McGill's the guy. McGill, you just need. McGill to be a 12-out guy. Probably Peterson, too, is going to pitch it next year. 12 outs, 15 outs if you're really feeling, like, sparky. Just get your guys out, be as effective as possible, and then bring it on to the bullpen. Because the Mets bullpen does look pretty good. So you need to, like, lean on that strength until the reinforcements become strong. Yes. No, I, I think that's very fair. I think outside of the, the stable guys that we have in this rotation, we have to be smarter in order to get the most out of our players. I like that. That's a very good one. For my fifth and final one here, I'm going to be a real simple man. This is an easy one for me. How about a World Series? Let's get a World oh, Series. I'm going to take a World Series. Pander Mark. Back, I'm to back at world, it again. Of course. So what do you mean? Of course I'm going to pander. I want one. I want a World Series. And you know how we do it? Listen to what me and James just said. Go get Luis Castillo. Go get Carlos Rodon too. And go get Chris Bryant. I'm drunk with power. I want them all. If the Mets got all three of those guys, I think they probably would be in position to actually win a World Series. Yeah, no. I think, I think that would be a legitimate thing. And why can't we? Why can't we? This poor people problems not being able to get these guys. We're not poor anymore. Go and spend all the money in the world. If Steve Cohen, which he's shown so far, is really saying balls to the wall, we'll do anything to win, which also is kind of like the Buck Showalter hiring as a manager. Like you said, it's a short-term contract. He's here to win now. Go get more guys. Go win a World Series. We're closer than we were to start the offseason. We were still not a contender, but we can get there for sure. All right, that that's a, is a good one. Win a World Series. I didn't realize how simple and like stupidly easy. I guess this this wishlist thing could be. But Mark's not feeling that creative this evening. That's really all right. I just feel bad for the listeners at home. Truly, wow. My, my fifth and final item on the wishlist is also very simple. It's so simple that it might have happened by the time that this episode drops. But I want Robinson Cano to get his second extra base hit of the Dominican Winter League. Yeah, that guy's going to be playing a lot next year. Sure is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where he's going to be playing. I don't know if he can really play second base with how old he is and maybe no Sarah but he's gonna be swinging the bat that's for sure and it would be nice to see him just look a little bit rejuvenated in the lead dom just get a couple hits here and there just play against all the righties be the start out on the bench against the lefties come in for that big pinch hit opportunity and just you know what robinson cano don't fuck it up and there is there's a non-zero chance that there's no dh because i think the way that these um negotiations have stalled right now these groups are going to come to the table with like vastly uh vastly more motivation to get something done. I think that was a good uh, advantage later on of this freeze-out, but I think we're at a point now where basically neither side cares about the DH, so it would be very easy for it to just become lost in the shuffle of this negotiation. So if there's no DH, I don't know what the, what the fuck the Mets are going to do with Robinson Cano. Yeah, we need, we need the DH. We are a team that benefits massively from having the DH, without a doubt. I mean, 
in a way, yes, because it helps some of our not useful players become relatively more useful. But the Mets still aren't like one of the deeper teams in the National League in terms of bats. So I don't, I don't think it really benefits us as much. You know what I mean? I don't think like getting Rob Zucano's bat in the lineup every day gives us an advantage over a team like the Dodgers or the Braves. Yeah, but getting J.D. Davis's bat in the lineup could be somewhat of a benefit because we just know that he is horrendous in the field. Did you hear what you just said? It could be somewhat of a benefit. You, you gave yeah, two, you gave two qualifiers for how much of a benefit JD Davis's bat could somewhat be. Yeah, that's uh that reminds me. I got a comment on my shortstop rankings about how Dansby Swanson's underrated, and the reason why he's underrated is because he goes out there every day and he's in the lineup. That's why. And it's like, well, those seem like the minimum qualifications <laughs> to be a baseball player. It seems like step one is <laughs> yeah. go out there every single day. I just did that with JD. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You did overrank um Carlos Correa. So that makes sense. I overranked him. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to poke oh, shit at your oh, rankings. Okay. This is number three. That was a fair spot. Yeah, I think it's a little high. I remember yeah. he was he was in front of somebody. I said it was wrong. Bogarts, Seager. Yeah. Uh, was Bogarts ahead of Seager? Yeah. I don't I don't care. All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> My rankings though for the Mets they looked good. I have them pretty high, and I don't think it's Mets bias. I really do think they're strong. So, it, but if George Springer was a Met and Starling Marte was a Yankee, who'd be ranked higher? Oh, George Springer all day. <laughs> there you go. All day. I'm not a, I'm not a, I am not animal. <laughs> not animal. This is a weird episode. Sorry, guys. So we're a little all over the place. It's almost 1 a.m. This I has got to be one of our later recordings. Yeah, James has COVID. I'm sweating. I'm so sweaty. I've touched, I've, I've felt air one time in the last five days. It's, I'm losing it. I had waffles and bacon for dinner tonight. I ordered diner food and they forgot my sausage. I was distraught. <laughs> That's, that actually kind of ruins the entire dish. No sausage for the waffles and bacon. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And then there was just like something I wanted to kind of talk about because it happened on Mets Twitter and it was something interesting between SNY, Mets fans, a little bit of Marcus Stroman action too. I know he's no longer with the Mets, so we really shouldn't care. But I do think that it kind of opens up a bigger narrative, which we've talked about before. Will Pond Shills, let's talk about it. So Todd Zeal made some comments about Marcus Stroman uh, that were a little a little strange, and I know you have those there. Yeah, I didn't even hear the comments. I wasn't able to find them anywhere because I think they just probably happened on like daytime SNY and no one in the world was paying attention. But luckily, Joey Waller of ABC Audio, ABC News, WFAN, and and what Wagner Wagner College was he? I yeah. guess he writes for Wagner uh, Wagner basketball. Wow, he had it put it on Twitter. Todd Zeal just said Marcus Stroman was one of the most divisive players in the Mets clubhouse, and there it is. So I don't know how to perceive that. It just kind of seems like SNY throwing a. Uh, throwing some shit on Marcus Stroman's name after the fact. I do also think it's possible that Stroman was, could have been divisive in the clubhouse. Like, I'm not going to discount that, but I am just not really understanding the fact that it was brought up now of all days. Yeah, no, it was super weird. And the guy Mark Keeley on Twitter who's connected with the Mets all over the place. I'm not sure why, but I, I know he's connected with the Mets. Uh, he said if Todd Zeal had the information that Marcus Stroman was divisive, he should have shared that information before the pitcher signed with the Cubs. The Mets have an S&Y problem, and it's not a secret as to why. Bagging on a player after they leave is a long time will pond move and yeah like we've talked about it before that SNY is a little bit all over the place sometimes with their commentary um we love gary we love ron we love keith those guys are good it's not really the SNY people but it's the news and the uh, kind of fox sports espn type stuff that they try to do gets a little all over the place SNY for some reason is a station that puts out like 20 hours a day of New York sports content besides for the four hours overnight when they run the infomercials and they put out just some insane stuff any network you have to fill for that long as anyone can tell by the regular full-time sports stations or the full-time politics news networks you have to fill so much airtime you just say some crazy things to get people to watch listen 
take care of it. So I would make sense that someone would say something like this to get some eyes on there. Have you ever watched the dating show that SNY puts on where oh. they, they put New York sports fans together? Incredible. It's awesome TV. That's not true. <laughs> that is some of the worst programming that's ever existed in the, on God's green earth. But I, I, I want to also share that as I searched Todd Zeal to find this quote, I got an on this day Todd Zeal from a few months ago. On this day, Todd Zeal ended his career with a bang by homering in his last major league at bat. Who gives that, a shit? The New York Mets official account tweeted that. Whoa, I almost fell out of my chair. It almost knocked me out of my chair that we had an on this day from Todd Zeal. That's, uh, that's about as low as it gets. We actually have one another one from 10 days ago. This day in Mets history. So an entire account donated to really useless information about Mets history. On this day in Mets history... The Mets signed Todd Zeal to a three-year, $18 million contract. Todd Zeal? We're talking Todd, about Todd Zeal signings? A three-year contract to a utility man at the end of his career. He did play in a World Series, so I'll give him that. It's no Wilson Ramos, but my God, Todd Zeal. We are starving for baseball content. That brother's starving. Yeah, we are starving for baseball content. And SNY uh, is too, and that's why they say shit like this. Yeah, no, it's whatever. Who cares? Marcus Stroman's on the team. But I did think it's worth noting that... We see another Mets fan that has somewhat of a pull here on social media talking about SNY being a little bit, uh, a little shaky here and there, which we've definitely said it. We know how I feel about Andy Martino, not a fan. Now scrolling, there were three Todd Zeal on this day signing things that were made from Mets, uh, Mets content personalities. Three different people felt the need to tweet on this day, Todd Zeal signed with the Mets. And also, I don't think Todd Zeal was in the clubhouse at all for the Mets this season. I don't think any journalists were allowed to be. I don't know how personal a relationship he has with any players. And this is something that he clearly sat on for the entire season. So this is just a weird thing to have happened. Weird thing to happen for a player who's irrelevant now to the Mets. Irrelevant. Yeah, both. Todd Zeal and Marcus Stroman. Yes, both of them <laughs> literally have no impact on the Mets at all. And they shouldn't. <laughs> no, this, it's, this is the big reason why we're in a shoe polish shortage in uh, northern Manhattan. It's because of Todd Zeal. <laughs> oh, low blow. Low blow. Boy. You ever see the guy's hair? Great it's great insane. Hair. You just got to go out, man. It, the gray's not bad. It's not a bad look. No, my dad rocks it. I'll give him that. He, he rocks the gray. My dad, too. Yeah, oh, it's, it, there's a little little distinguished. No, distinguished? Whatever. I'm yeah. Not. All right. <laughs> zany, zany hours. This is zany, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. And that's where it feels like a perfect time to wrap this up. You got nothing else to talk about, right? No. <laughs> no. It's a, Anything we keep saying can only hurt us in the long run. Yeah, this, this episode is all over the place. I can assure you that if you're listening to it, it was a hundred times harder for James to edit it. I can promise you that. <laughs> but uh, that's where we're wrapping up episode number 67 of the Messed Up Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Messed Up. YouTube channel, Messed Up Podcast. Follow James on Twitter at Jeter Had No Range. Me at Giraffe Mark. Uh, and if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you are, drop us a five-star rating, drop us a review. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for watching. Also, Spotify podcast reviews coming out soon. When that happens, we're gonna we're gonna do something for it. We're gonna do a we're challenge, maybe a giveaway. Yeah, there's gonna be something we want to get to like a hundred hundred reviews on there in 24 hours. Something crazy. Yeah, and also keep an eye out on Christmas Day. Might be doing a giveaway on the Twitter, so keep an eye out for that. There you go. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Peace out. Peace out, guys. See you next time.